Welcome to Crossing Over the Bridge and program 11 in the series. And my guest today, scientist Nassim Haramein and Dronvalu Melchizedek. Dronvalu Melchizedek reintroduced sacred geometry to the world in a manner that it is understood by most people. He was also the first person in modern times to geometrically and mathematically describe the living, breathing Mir Kabar to the world the 55-60-foot tetrahedron-like body that surrounds the human body. He's brought to the attention of the world the sacred space of the heart, and through the sacred space, the connection to the creation process. Once lived, that person understands how everything in the universe came to be, which gives them the means to reach into higher consciousness and human potential. He graduated from UC Berkeley with a degree in Fine Arts and a minor in Physics and Mathematics, and he's written four books, which are described in over 100 countries and a vast number of languages. He's also founded the Flower of Life Facilitators Program, which taught his work in over 60 countries with 350 teachers. He's been on television, radio, webcasts, consciousness conferences, magazines, newspapers, and written about in other books all over the globe. He's a world traveller personally teaching in about 70 countries and is now creating a new teaching system that will be introduced in the world in July of 2011. His latest work, The Birth of a New Humanity, includes the first time shared information about the crystal consciousness grids that surround the Earth, mankind's evolution out of Atlantis, their development globally by many cultures over the last 13,000 years, and the amazing science that's been discovered around the pyramids and temples worldwide that has been presented to the United Nations. Also presented is the true story of one particular grid, often called the Unity Consciousness Grid, and how it's finally come to birth since February 2008. Recently quoted, the birth of this new living consciousness grid is for certain, I believe, the most important story since Atlantis, and yet hardly anyone on Earth is aware that it's happened or what it means for humanity. One thing is clear, the outcome of this global consciousness transition is going to affect every single last person on this planet. If you know what has now become history, your heart can rest knowing what is to follow in our lives, that is one of the greatest gifts that Source has given to mankind. Scientist Nassim Haramein, as early as nine years old, was already developing the basis for a unified, hyperdimensional theory of matter and energy, which he eventually called the Holofractographic Universe. He spent most of his life researching the fundamental geometry of hyperspace, studying a variety of fields from theoretical physics, cosmology, quantum mechanics, biology, and chemistry, to anthropology and ancient civilizations. Combining this knowledge with a keen observation of the behavior of nature, he's discovered a specific geometric array that he's found to be fundamental to creation, and the foundation for his unified field theory that has subsequently emerged. Fluent in both French and English, He's been giving lectures and seminars on his unification theory for over 10 years. His lectures are multimedia presentations that lead his audiences through the validity of his theories with observational and theoretical data. 
He has presented at such institutions as the Department of Physics at Georgia Tech, the Department of Physics at University of Nebraska at Omaha, and fellows of the Department of Education at the University of Montreal, and his unification model has now been delivered to the American Physical Society. In addition to his scientific papers, Haramain imparts this theory in a layman's paper, a four-DVD set entitled Crossing the Event Horizon, Rising to the Equation, and his international speaking tours. In the past 20 years, he's directed research teams of physicists, electrical engineers, mathematicians, and other scientists, and he's founded a non-profit organization, the Resonance Project Foundation, where, as the director of research, he continues exploring unification principles and their implications in our world today. The Foundation is actively developing a research park on the island of Hawaii, where science, sustainability and green technology come together. Crossing over the bridge with scientist Nassim Haramein and Drunvalo Melchizedek. Welcome to In Discussion and Crossing Over the Bridge and it is a great privilege to be joined by scientist Nassim Haramein and Drunvalo Melchizedek. Gentlemen, welcome to you. Thank you. It's great to be on the program again. Yeah, thank you. I'm really uh, happy to be on this one. I'm very happy. Coming to you first, Drunvalo, if I may, sir, could you talk about your work presently what you see as synergies with Nassim's work that he's involved in? Well, uh, the work I'm doing presently at this moment may be a little different, but in the beginning, a long time ago, uh, when uh, I, let's put it this way, I, I have a different purpose, I believe, than Nassim has in terms of studying sacred geometry. Uh, I went into it for uh, for 14 years, I, I did nothing about 10, 12 hours a day but study this. And what I was trying to do before I became serious about this is I wanted to know if the entire universe was created by a single thought or if it was by many. And, and I, for me, it was essential for I know that. And so I, I went in that direction. And finally, the day came when I was convinced on every cell of my body that uh, there was was one pattern that all things in existence were created through and once I knew that the, then I left and went into another direction and and Nassim I believe is is uh, he'll have to speak for himself but it looks to me like you're more interested in in understanding it from a physics point of view of understanding how uh, all things are created and uh, and so and I'm very glad you did that I really really am and uh, and I really honor what you what what you have found and where you're going in this direction. I think it's beautiful. Can I just ask you, John Vallo, before you turn it over to Nassim, because I know when Nassim starts talking, I may as well go and have a cup of tea. Okay. Um, <laughs> can I just ask you to define the sacred geometry? Because we could talk for hours going back to Atlantis. We could talk about the geometry that has been around for thousands of years. But the many points around the world where they talk about or we, we know are very important landmarks or reference points. Could you just, for the listeners, talk about that geometry? 
Well, these are my opinions. Uh, the, the, the geometry is eternal. It is, there has never been a time when it has not existed from my point of view, and there, it will always exist. A cube will always be a cube. Square will always be a square. But what I discovered is that everything in existence uh, is structured on one level. This is just one level. Everything is structured through sacred geometry. And uh, and it's the the arrangement of how and the relationships to everything else is is all in form and proportion, and that uh, is uh, what I'm con- calling sacred geometry. Uh, it, it from from my discovery, it comes purely from a sphere. You can take just a simple sphere and come up with all the laws of physics. We've done it actually, and I mean the speed of light and everything, nothing else, just that. And so that's how I uh, perceive it. It is the underlying basis of everything. But it goes into other areas, not just structural areas, but also frequency and, uh, and waveform patterns and everything else uh, are all associated with sacred geometry. I really, even love and even emotions and feelings. You would never think that, that a feeling is, has to do with sacred geometry. But it's been proven through science uh, that uh, it does. And that uh, uh, that there is actually a form that you can hold in your hand that that represents love, and another one that represents fear, and these kinds of things. And so, uh, I believe it is all of these invasive. It goes everywhere. There is no exceptions. Uh, it is everything. I can't find an exception. And I have over ten thousand people working for me for a while, and nobody could ever find an exception. And we finally came to the place that this is universal. Nesim Haramain, can you put that into context in terms of the black hole, the spiral effect, and the vacuum? Yeah, absolutely. I think that, um, interestingly, as Drenvalo said, uh, we came at it from two different perspectives. In my view, I felt like there was an underlying pattern at the base of creation that must be responsible for the self-organizing capability of our universe and which I was able to observe everywhere in nature and I thought you know this pattern must be important to discover and understand so we understand the fundamental uh, mechanics of creation and uh, when I started to study deeply um, the scientific approach, the atomic world, you know, the cosmological world and so on. And I combined that with the studies I was doing on ancient civilization and ancient cultures. I found very direct, what appeared to be very direct relationships between advanced physics and ancient knowledge. And the connection between the two was uh, based on fundamental geometries. Um, geometries we use in in advanced physics to describe, for instance, particle interaction and and so on, or even the geometrization of space-time that Einstein, you know, promoted with um, general relativity, or ancient civilization, their description of the fundamental forces of nature, you know, having some really basic geometric uh, parameters and in their symbols, in their building practices, and so on. And so, and they called it sacred geometry, sacred because it was to them the fundamental, you know, geometry of creation. So obviously that would be sacred. And I start 
to think maybe we can we should put these two together and and i had a deep sense a deep feeling inside of me and and that connects to what Dranville was talking about, feelings having geometry as well. I mean, we're just discovering now that genes are altered by... So obviously, if genes are altered by feelings, um, um, you know, there's geometric relationships that are occurring between feelings and, and, and the genes. Like, the genes portray a very specific geometry that makes them what they are. And so if that can be altered with feelings, obviously, feelings have geometric relationships and so like Drenvolo, I came to conclude that these they must you know be some fundamental geometry that everything emerged from that the universe uses to connect all things and I start to look what is the medium that this geometry would be in like what is this structure and and the only thing uh, for the people that know a little bit about my work and listen to all the other programs we had together David with with uh, William Tiller and and, and Dr. O'Leary and so on, that, you know, there is a fundamental structure at the base of creation we call the vacuum, the, the structure of space itself, that that matter is a function of the space, not the, res, you know, not the source, meaning that matter does not define space, but space defines matter. And when we realize that, we realize that the, the structure of space actually is very geometric in nature, um, then we can start looking for this <clears throat> fundamental geometry. And that's what really got me going early on and, and looking for that fundamental geometry, which I eventually identified as a, tetra, a tetrahedral array, which moved through uh, iterations and frequencies to eventually produce the the sphere so I think it's accurate and appropriate uh, for uh, Dranzvolo's um, statement that from the sphere you can deduce all, all of the geometry of creation even at the end of the day when you look at nature what you see is nature makes spheres you know from like stars galaxies uh, you know black holes uh, you know like uh, quasars cells most likely atoms and so on yeah Drunvalu Melchizedek, does this not mean that we really have to start ignoring Einstein and so many of the other theories created in quantum physics? Well, uh, we've been through a lot of theories. <laughs> if you just look at the theories on atoms, before they got to the Bohr's atom, there were almost 50 different theories that we went through, throwing them out. And, uh, and the ideas of relativity had certain truths in it, but it had a lot of anomalies in it that were not correct. And uh, we don't think so. And everything has certain problems in it that it's not perfect. And so we're still searching. I believe that they're going to find that what Nassim is, is uh, offering is going to answer far more questions than anything else. And eventually, uh, there's other parts of this, uh, this geometry that Nassim hasn't uh, put forth yet, I don't think. I only know, I've only seen four of his DVDs. But uh, when all of these things are put forth, I believe it will answer all questions. And, uh, and will be seen as uh, the basis of what this reality is. And we're going to get there. And, uh, uh, and it's important that we do understand it. But from my point of view, it isn't just understanding it. It isn't just... Uh, even if we knew every single thing in existence 
and on every single level of existence, that's not enough. We have to know also how to connect directly to it through breathing and through uh, other aspects of, of human uh, consciousness. We have to know how to become, not just observe it, but to become part of it. And yes, we are part of it in, in truth, but uh, we are in a state now that doesn't really connect to human potential. It's only we're just on a very, very low level of this. And if we uh, connect to it in the proper way, uh, human potential goes up extraordinarily. Where does chaos theory come into this in terms of where we are today? Well, chaos theory uh, actually always leads into harmony, too. So uh, I don't know if I could answer that uh, for sure uh, in the sense that from a, from a scientific point of view, but chaos is just as much a part of life as, as, uh, as order. A volcano comes in exploding all over the place, blowing everything else up all around it and killing everything. That's chaos. But that leads to life on higher levels. And, and so uh, to me, chaos is not something separate from life. It's just part of it. We may not like it, but we have to accept the truth, and, and that's the way it is. Now, Sim Harame? Yeah, I think that's a very good point, Ranvalo, that, that, like, you know, it's not enough to understand it or to have a theory or a mathematical construct of it. We, we have to actually uh, know how to connect to it, it both, I believe, both in our body and our you know, consciousness uh, yes. and in our technological means, meaning that we can, and I think techniques of meditation and and reflection and, and prayers and whatever are ways to for us to like deeply experience our atomic structure we're made of is 99.99999999% space. And, and so, you know, experiencing our connectedness experiencing our connection with this field and all the other things that are in that field is crucial and that can only come from us turning our senses inwards and going towards the connecting point what I call the singularity at the center of our existence and and that we don't do very much in our society most of our attention is placed outwards but I think as well, when we've gone there, when we've connected, when we realize that we are connected to that field, then it's crucial that we take this knowledge and we take this, um, this awareness and bring it into our technology so that we can start to uh, uh, manufacture technology that connects with that field of energy that's present everywhere and that has enormous amount of energy to deliver uh, so that our society can become self-sustaining, harmonious with nature, and, you know, and, and thrive instead of uh, a society that is really at this point running out of resources, running out of space, and, and on the verge of auto-destruction because of ways of extracting energy from nature that is not compatible with the fundamental will works of uh, of creation. And I think that this is a really a big crux in our evolution right now that we're that we're we're needing to pass this threshold, realize that we are all connected through this structure, that we are part of it, 
that it's inside of us and build technology based on that knowledge. Can I ask you, Jean Valo, and I know that you want to respond to that, but very quickly, if we're going to move into another level of consciousness, and that is effectively right brain and from the heart, is the chaos that you talk about being part of our lives going to always be part of it? Or once you move into a full state of consciousness, does that chaos become eradicated? Does that no longer exist? I don't know that answer for sure. Uh, uh, I do know that it, it's with us now. And perhaps as we evolve, uh, we come to a place where that no longer exists. We stay totally in order all the time. But I don't, I don't really know the answer to that. I, I, I'm, I'm originally coming from a much higher level of existence. And I remember all of that, except I only have 11 seconds of memory of that. And, but from the time I left, I, I remember everything, all the, way, all the way through, all the various levels and, and getting here. And everywhere I went... Uh, within this universe, uh, there definitely was chaos. We don't know. I mean, from what I understand of, uh, f from both from the indigenous people and from my teachers and from in all the various levels of what I've gotten out of this, uh, we're about to go into a another level of existence beyond stars and planets and, uh, and something that has never happened before. And so uh, if that is true, uh, then uh, we're going to have to wait till we get there before I can tell you if there's chaos there or not. Nassim Harami? Well, I, I, I think the question about chaos, and, and I were, you know, I, here I'm discussing it loosely, not necessarily in the rigorous um, way or mathematics of chaos theory, but loosely, I think that chaos is just levels of order that we don't necessarily have the computing power to experience or to understand. Like like Dranvalo's example of a volcano blowing up, uh, spewing lava everywhere and producing, you know, in the case of the big island of Hawaii, you know, producing a, an island, uh, which eventually, you know, starts to, uh, the lava eventually starts to cool off and, 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 uh, and seeds fall on it and, and, you know, various organisms starts to form and so on. And then eventually you get a rainforest on it, you know, and, and it's, it's supporting life and, and high level of organization. I, I, what I'm saying is that I think that it's just like this. If, if you have a Persian uh, carpet and you have your nose really close to it, uh, you're going to look at all the little fibers of the Persian carpet and you might say, wow, this is chaos. It's completely disordered. I can't see any pattern. It's like completely crazy. And then if you pull back from the Persian carpet, all of a sudden you start to see organization. You start to see pattern. You, you start to see that there's an overall plan. And, um, and I think that chaos is like that for human beings. I think that when we look at the universe and we see what appears to us to be completely disordered, um, and, and actually our theories of the universe in the mainstream right now are completely based on the idea that everything 
always move towards disorder. It's called entropy. But there's something fundamentally missing theoretically from that model is and that is that if something is moving towards disorder then there must have been order prior to it so in order to have entropy you must have had neg entropy negative entropy or or the reverse order you know earlier on and so what produces the order and that I think is what the crux of this evolution is, is to realize that no, the universe is not just a random mess from which human beings just happen to pop out in some, you know, great fluke of creation, but actually it is a highly organized, highly ordered system that's learning about itself which we are part of, which we could think of ourselves as like extension of space looking back at itself and learning about itself and that, you know, what appears to us to be very disordered and chaotic is actually part of an order that is so highly complex that uh, we have our nose in the Persian rock and we can't see the complexity of the order behind the apparent chaos. John Fellow, we talk about going back sometimes, and I wonder whether that's not a bad idea, but if we're going towards a zero point where, as Nassim suggests, that there is order, then how do we pinpoint that? What is the evidence of that in our timeline as a civilization? I don't know if, and again, uh, from uh, Bill Teller, uh, zero point is is not connected to the vacuum from his way of seeing. But I do believe it. it what I have discovered in my own life is that the vacuum and gravity uh, are the same, uh, and that, and it, that would take a long time to explain. But I believe they are the same actual thing. I think that in my experience with listening to Nassim, he talks about singularity we are in a duality we're moving towards a singularity perhaps call it zero point right now we are human consciousness is in polarity and uh, the universe is in singularity is from my point of view uh there what we as Melchizedek consciousness have discovered is that there is a little more than 100,000 different ways of perceiving this one reality there just is whatever there is but there are a little over about 100,000 plus another couple hundred more different types of uh, light bodies or merkabas. And when you change those, you perceive everything differently. The one that we are in right now, this particular one, is the one where we perceive it as everything is black or white or hot or cold or up or down or male or female. We are in the process from our way of seeing is that we're moving into a unity consciousness or singularity. And that, uh, and when that happens, the universe literally appears differently. We don't interpret it the same way. Uh, and that's from my experience in all of this. I uh, have been there. I, I, for me, it's real. But uh, uh, the earth itself, the people on the earth right now, uh, they have experienced this. Everyone has a long time ago. But at the moment, we're not there. Is that a question of us moving towards the universe to find that zero point or that singularity or the universe coming to us? Well, see, it, it all depends on how you're perceiving the universe. 
I don't see the universe as anything separate from me. It is me. And, and, I, and I see exactly how it was created. I understand the creation point of how things came into being. And so, uh, to me, we are walking around in basically, uh, it's not exactly through a, a brain pattern that is further was a, initiated through a heart pattern. And we've mapped exactly how this comes into our being. It's nothing new. It's, it's in the Vedas five, 6,000 years ago. It's, it's in the Torah. And it, it, it isn't anything new. But we, uh, it's going to feel new, I'll say that much, when we come to this and we remember how we did this long ago and we actually get into the process of moving out of polarity consciousness into another form of unity consciousness. Uh, and when we get there... We're going to, oh, yeah, I remember this, uh, you know, and, and then your memories are going to come back. That's another thing uh, at that time, because right now we don't remember hardly anything. We can barely remember what happened in our own life. Is that suggesting the reality that we're in now was brought to us in our evolution almost as a mistake? I don't see any mistakes. I think everything is perfect and whole and complete exactly as it is and moving precisely according to a cosmic DNA, the way that it's unfolding. This is hard to explain, but to me, uh, the mind pattern, what we're thinking is separate from us and external to us is actually internal to us. And we're walking around in our brain, kind of in our mind, a pattern that we've created up, created ourselves. And you can change that pattern. And I've done it many times and lots of other people have. It looks like miracles when you do it. But it's scientific, actually. There's an actual, very precise way that you move in consciousness if you want to make something happen or change within the, within the conscious reality that, that we think is, is just a, an external physical world. Uh, it, it took me most of my life to come to this point of view, but it isn't anything new. This is really, really, really old. Nassim Harame? Well, I think this is very interesting. Uh, you know, it really is, um, uh, like uh, Jen Bolo was saying, a time where we're starting to realize that, um, you know, duality is part of unity and that there is there's a unifying principle. And, you know, this unifying principle um, in my cosmology as this field that connects us all. And when we realize this, um, you know, it brings um, a sense of humanity to our consciousness, a sense of, uh, you could even think of it as an opening of the heart, uh, you know, which I believe is where the singularity of our consciousness uh, seeds uh, or sits, you know, uh, and 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 this opening of the heart occurs because we start to experience the oneness of ourselves relative to this universe, that we're not isolated from one another, that we're not isolated from anything, that nothing can be isolated from anything, that we're all part of this incredible metrical highly organized system that is learning and we're part of the the learning uh, experience and and that we are all on the same boat you know on this little rock flo floating through space having this great adventure 
And I think this realization is probably one of the most crucial realization uh, necessary at this point in our evolution so that we can start to contribute to each other in, in collaboration instead of competition and uh, support each other and you know work together to transform our civilization to one that um, is less self-destructive and more constructive and harmonious and and eventually thriving mm -hmm. I, I don't see th that our civilization um, is gonna evolve um, uh, in in, uh, in a slow matter along the lines that it has so far. I think that there's gonna be a large change, a big quantum change uh, very soon and we're either gonna make it through it or we're not and and if we make it through it, which I believe we will, um, I think what's on the other side of this is something that today we would think of as uh, utopic and uh, and and something maybe we would think of as not realistic but I believe we're gonna be space bound very soon that we're gonna we're gonna connect with more civilizations that have gone through these evolutionary steps uh, in our local galactic structure even in other galactic structures or even in our universe or multiverse I think there's a lot of activity out there. I mean, just recently, there was a release from NASA of the the latest survey and estimate of how many planets may carry life only in our galactic disk, um, and and the result was like a hundred billion uh, planetary system may may carry life in our galactic structure alone. We know there's billions of galaxies and so on. So you know, there's probably a whole community out there and probably some of these community members are much more advanced than us and 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 that they've been waiting for us to to have this opening to realize our commonality to realize that we're part of a greater mechanism we call the universe and you know that we're all brothers and sisters and that we must collaborate i wonder then uh, sim just before drone valley you respond to that you defined that as a quantum change into wherever we're going but the quantum way of thinking to me a, a left brain thinking so is that the right way to term this or is there another way to define that change? yeah thank you david for for pointing that out and i i did use the word quantum loosely there and you're absolutely right. I, you know, I think that quantum theory and the concept of quantum theory are about to be updated with a much more classical. It might sound like going backwards uh, to go back towards a much more classical view, but I believe that actually quantum theory kind of skipped over uh, the fundamental mechanics that produces the atomic level and uh, using the terminology loosely saying a quantum jump is not quite accurate. It's more like a transition across a veil. Uh, a, a, a cr this is why I termed my research, uh, my DVD, Crossing the Event Horizon. You know, I think it's literally a crossing across a veil, across a membrane, to see a whole new perspective. and 
and to realize that we're bathing in infinite amount of energy and that we can use that in many different ways from our consciousness and our evolution to our technological means. John Vallo, how do you resonate with that? Uh, I, I agree with all of that. I, I don't, there's nothing there I don't agree with. Uh, I, uh, I have a, be, because I've spent, um, after studying sacred geometry and, uh, and on all those kinds of levels, I spent most of my time in meditation and connecting with uh, other people here that, uh, mostly indigenous people, that also think very similar to with what Nassim just said and what I said, or feel. And uh, from that, uh, uh, the images that I get from this uh, tie into a lot of the ancient religions and everything in, in the sense that um, we are about to go from... Uh, one level of existence to another, but in that, in that, in doing that, in order to do it and 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 make it work, um, our human body is very much a part of that. Uh, the ancient Egyptians spent a lot of time in uh, mummifying bodies and tr and trying to get the idea that it will go into the future. Uh, Jesus spent the understanding of uh, of resurrection, where you die and then afterwards you take the body with you. And all these kinds of ideas are echoed through, uh, like the Kogi and the Arawakos and other people that, to me, are the highest beings on earth. And, uh, and they say that when we make this transition, when we get to the next level of existence, which is another frequency of existence, um, uh, when we arrive there with our body, the reason it's so important is that this physical body is a baby on that level. And, and we need it. And, and it immediately begins to start growing and getting bigger. And we, we trans, this body transforms uh, into a much higher level, uh, much taller people. Uh, females be, end up being 10 to 12 feet and, and males are 14 to 16 feet high with this huge head and this huge brain. And the reason they say that this transformation has to take place in this way is because we're going to be asked to make even a bigger transformation, and we can't do it from here. Our brain and our understanding of the reality cannot get to where we have to go from here. But, from, but as we make this transition in the next level, the body that we are given and that we grow into uh, has, will have the ability to grok and understand uh, things that right now we can't even begin to understand, and then from there we're going to keep going, and we're going to we're going to go. Uh, if if they're correct, uh, we're going to make transitions at an extremely high speed that has never ever been done before, and um, and so um, I hope it's true because uh, I like excitement on those levels. Nasim, <laughs> 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 based upon that commentary, that suggestion there that acceleration is reflected in everything that the Mayans talk about, that calendar, and we can see today everything accelerating. Yeah, I, I think so. I, I, you know, from my studies of ancient civilization, and, and then uh, I know uh, some of the Dranvalo's work, which is quite extensive in that field, you know, I think that there's definitely many different cultures that talk about that transition, at this time, you know, in our history, and and when they talk about it, they're clear that they didn't necessarily come up with this themselves, but that they got it from advanced beings that they call sun gods that um, 
visited the earth early on in our evolution. Uh, this is even echoed in the Bible when, uh, you know, in Genesis where, where it mentions that the sons of God came to the earth and so on. And this, um, you know, I think is very crucial uh, to understand that um, it is clearly denoted in many of these cultures that the transition is going to occur with a certain amount of disorder, a certain amount of chaos, uh, you know, what appears to as chaos again, and, and a certain amount of uh, physical changes on our planet and so on. And, and I think we're there. I think we're starting to see these things happen and um and it, it's it's ab absolutely realizing in front of our eyes so it's a very exciting time and at the same time it's a time where we have to have much empathy for the amount of suffering that is being experienced by the collective uh, to make that evolution possible that's the chaos that you referred to earlier john Valor, in this reality Yes, I think yes. Uh, there, there. Uh, if the indigenous are right, uh, there will be a lot of chaos, and um, and it's just part of life. Uh, we have to accept it. They also believe, and I didn't believe this in the beginning. Uh, originally, I thought that every single person would make it through, but um, this has been brought to the. We do. Every single person makes it through because every single person has great spirit within them. But there's different pathways that they talk about that they will move. But humanity itself is going to go in a very specific one, if they're correct. And that is one where we move from our brain to our heart and we learn to live in a very tiny space in our heart. And that when we do this, these are the, these are the survivors. These are the ones who uh, become the new humanity. We learn to live and breathe through our heart. And what happens is we become one big living cell. We may be millions of people all over the world, but we're, we're all uh, interconnected through this space in the heart. Uh, you know, uh, from my meditations and everything, I've been in this place and I've seen it now. It's, it's very familiar, but it's, 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 we all have this memory. We all know this place. Um, we've been there before. There's nothing new on these levels, but, uh, uh, it's something that that if if you would if the audience would just take the time to uh, do meditations where you end up inside of the sacred place inside of your heart, you very quickly begin to understand every everything changes. You begin to understand what we're talking about. But if you do nothing and if you stay in your brain and you continue functioning a, a world that's only financial and physical, uh, you're probably going to go on a different route. <laughs> And, but still, you will not actually be harmed. This is this is the Kogi are clear on this too. They say, you know, we you it's just as you can't destroy energy, uh, you you can't destroy spirit either. Um, but uh, we have uh, we we have been given a, a a mandate kind of, and that is to try all possibilities. And you can see that life is doing that. And, and, and it's the same way with consciousness itself, the way that we move from one level of consciousness to another. They want us to try all possibilities. Right now, there's only three possibilities known from the way I see it. But interesting enough, at this very moment, and, and in just the last few couple months, a fourth one has just appeared. 
And I don't know what it means yet, but a brand new way has, is now emerging on Earth, which is different than anything else before. And so um, I love life. I'm excited about what's happening. I can hardly stand it. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 I and I'm I'm just sitting here like a little child with big eyes looking at it and I'm happy with what I see. And if I have to go through chaos to get to where we're going, I want to I want to feel it in my body and my mind and my heart and I want to know. And uh, and so uh, I I hope that uh, everyone in this it, it gets one thing is that just don't don't be afraid. There's nothing to be afraid about here. This this is a this is an incredible time in the universe, and and we happen to be alive, and we're right in the, the very center of the vortex in all of this. It's uh, why this is happening. I don't know, but it does appear to be happening. Well, I think that it's really great, uh, David, what you're doing to help bring all of the researchers. Um, you know, mm-hmm. that uh, have been doing work in this, you know, basically uh, laying down the, uh, the path for the new way of doing things, for the new science, for the new consciousness of the, of, of the other side of the veil, like blazing through. And, you know, I, it's so crucial to be able to connect. Like, for instance, Trenvalo and I have been working for some 25 years, 30 years, you know, in similar fields, never had time to actually connect or, or the opportunity to discuss things. Uh, William Tiller is, uh, you know, Brian O'Leary and all this. And, and I think at this time in history, it's so crucial that we start to work together and and collaborate and and help each other, not just at this level, but at at all levels of society, like people out there, you know, uh, connecting and supporting each other. And and I think this is why the universe, you know, there's there's a certain amount of chaos that occurs so so that people return back to their to what's real, what's important, uh, because when we're, when everything is become a little confused as well about what's important, and when, when, when difficult times happen and, and even tragedies happen, uh, people find their heart again, and, and it's a sad thing that the heart must hurt for them to find it. Uh, but, but sometimes that's necessary, and, and then when they find their heart, they, they return to what's important, which is connection, family, friends, uh, you know, uh, exchange of information, cross-fertilization, and so on. And I think as we come together and as we develop this new science, this new understanding, these new philosophies, uh, you know, this is the breakthrough, this is the opportunity, and as Dranvalo, I'm totally excited about this uh, transition. The, I think the future looks very, very bright and and I think, you know, we can make it through in a really wonderful, beautiful way. Well, I, I agree with that and and uh, what I, after all these years of study, and I, it goes on and on and on, it, it really comes down to what he's saying is is life, everyday life, uh, loving each other, taking care of each other, uh, finding the time to to 
just give of yourself to others. And, and, and in these simple acts, uh, we come closer to who we really are. And, and so life does not have to be complicated. It does not have to, you don't have to know a lot of things. You just have to live from your heart. And, and this is what is, uh, uh, it, it creates a frequency. The indigenous people say that once you find this place in your heart, if you connect your, your heart to the heart of the earth and to the heart of the sun, it puts a vibration within you. And that vibration is what the earth is seeking. She's, she, she, she recognizes it. Now, you don't have to know a lot. You just have to surrender and give yourself to the world. And, and I really think that that's really all we have to do. Dranvalu, Melchizedek, and Nassim Haramein, I cannot tell you what a privilege this program has been for me, and I'm sure to the many listeners out there. I hope that we can do this again as the bridge programs continue. I also wish both of you the very best and all love. Thank you. Yeah, thank you, David. Thank you, David. And to our listeners today on Crossing Over the Bridge, you can gain information on this and any other program in the series at davidgibbons.org or crossingoverthebridge.org. Meanwhile, wherever you are in this world, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. David Gibbons in discussion welcomes listeners' comments and viewpoints at its blog at davidgibbons.org. This programming is supported by organizations and firms in the private and public sectors.